in a particular situation as a blanket statement, should you sell your rent control units to liquidate them and, you know, potentially place your money somewhere else? I think that's really like kind of a case to case, a case by case question. Hey, it's JP. Hi, it's Excel. And you're listening to Terry Shower on the Real Estate Investors Club podcast. Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of the Real Estate Investors Club podcast. I'm here with a returning guest, Chantal, who has some questions for me, sort of more macro questions about inflation, you know, financing, dealing with rent control, things like this that might affect uh, people investing in Quebec sort of in a macro way. So Chantal, thanks for being with me. Thank you, Terry. <laughs> um, do you want to just, you know, give our audience like a real quick sort of two line intro on who you are and like where some of these questions come from? Okay, I'm Chantal. I'm a real estate investor. I've been working with Terry Dow for the past five years, and I own a duplex and I'm a landlord. Yeah, absolutely. And so, just the other uh, little uh, thing you can know about Chantal so, she actually lives in Alberta, and the duplex, the property that she owns, is in Montreal. So, she invests in Quebec, although she lives outside the province. And so, sometimes we end up having conversations that are a little bit um, sort of zoom out because the laws, let's say from Alberta to Quebec are not exactly the same. So as you know, a product of a kind of an off-camera discussion, Chantal, I think your first question was something about how landlords can protect themselves against the high cost of inflation. Did I get that right? Or did you want to add something to the question? No, you you got it right. Yes. How, how can they protect themselves given the high cost? Because everything is really expensive nowadays. Okay. So I think um, you kind of need to separate the way in which inflation affects assets, okay? So for sure, like the costs that you're paying, operating costs that you're paying out of pocket will for sure go up, all right? So like, um, you know, your construction guys, maybe your property manager, you know, heating costs, all of those things are inflating at whatever the inflation rate is. So things have calmed down a little bit now, but like we've been running to eight to 10% inflation and then the the inflation on construction and materials and heating costs has been way beyond that. So I think the answer is that like landlords are bearing a certain amount of the brunt of that, okay? But now one, one also has to understand that rents will have their own inflation tied to them. And in a rent control environment like Quebec, we can only increase our rents as a certain percentage, which is not very large. But for example, this year, the TAL has allowed additional increases based on inflation. And because the numbers that like, let's say, you know, you had to do some work on your property that would have cost five years ago to cost you 5K this year cost you 10K. Well, the number that you're plugging into your rent control form is going to be 10K. So even though it's a small percentage of that, you are going to recover some of that. Now, the other thing to understand is that rents are inflating like crazy, but rents of vacant units, okay? When you have occupied units with a tenant who is staying in there, you're stuck with the rent control laws. But if you have a tenant that leaves, that's kind of a gray zone where you can adjust your rent to market. Now, there are laws about that. There are certain in the industry, there are ways of, you know, massaging that, getting around it, uh, increasing maybe a little bit more. But the reality is that the rental market is inflating like crazy. And it's one of those things that's inflating faster than other things. So us, what we see on the ground with the rental units is that like 
let's say a vacant unit last July, a vacant two bedroom unit last July was renting for 900 in in the part of town where your duplex is. It's now at 12 or 1300. So that's like a 30, 35% increase. It's a huge increase. And so like it maybe doesn't apply to you if your units are occupied consistently. And so for the small landlord, that can be a challenge. But somebody who's a professional landlord and has maybe more units, some of the units will turn over and that allows you to adjust some of your rents to somewhat to market. Um, and so you're actually ahead of inflation on that in a way because rents are inflating maybe faster than other things. Then you also have to think about your asset prices because usually in an inflationary environment, your asset prices are also going to be going up, right? So it means that even though your monthly costs might be higher, um, the value of your asset is actually going up. And so at a faster rate, let's say, than, than your rents might be or the, in a rent control environment or something else. So, And you will anecdotally know this, right? Like the Canadian real estate market has just ballooned in the last like three, four years through COVID. And that's a direct relationship of inflation. So if we've seen the 30% increase in the in the price of housing, you are definitely asset rich. Does it mean that your bank account is this point is still poor? It's possible. But the way then to kind of get around that is you've because you've built this equity by doing nothing, right? Like there's two ways in which equity builds. One's, one is that you reimburse your mortgage. The other is that your property value goes up. And the reality is that if your property value has gone up by 30% because of inflation, well, now you have access to this capital that you can borrow from the bank in order to cover some of your operating costs. Then, I mean, the other thing to consider, and this is sort of where we are now, is that in order to combat inflation, then the banks start raising interest rates. And it means that any additional money that you borrow is going to be at a higher interest rate. So, you know, that that then you, you kind of end up having to um, figure into the equation. But it's that all of these things are moving. And so even though, let's say, your operating costs might be going up, chances are your rents are also going up. Your asset value is going up. Yes, your interest cost is going up as well, but you have more access to equity. So like there's kind of a way to even that out. Then um, you also had another question about would I advise um, in Quebec a small landlord to sell off their units in order to deal with rent control? <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> um, it's a strategy. <laughs> um, no, I mean, like, look, when you're you're a rent control environment, I think is a, is a challenge for you know any landlord who's looking to operate their their buildings. And you know, this is actually like kind of one of my pet peeves or one of my main arguments with this is that like you know us as landlords, we are not acting in a price control environment. So my heating costs, my construction guys, my legal fees. Every cost that I pay is inflating at the rate of inflation, whereas my rent control rents are not increasing at the same rate. And so you have on the one hand, you know, a price controlled good, which is rent. And on the other hand, the landlord is expected to pay out of pocket whatever the rate of inflation is. And so like, I mean, this is just an issue with price control in general. Enjoying the episode so far? Have you really been listening to the episode or has your monkey mind been taking you off in one direction or another? Our mental habits can be our biggest assets or our biggest liabilities as we pursue certain goals. For me, the biggest performance gains have always come from training my mind. In my book, Mindful Landlord, I talk about how you can train your mind and how you can apply some of these strategies to your journey in the real estate field. The book is available on Amazon and also on its website, mindfullandlord.com. 
Now I'll stop evangelizing for the power of mental training and let you get back to the show. Now, in a particular situation, as a blanket statement, should you sell your rent control units to liquidate them and, you know, potentially place your money somewhere else? I think that's really like kind of a case to case, a case by case question. Like you need to, you know, what's the, re- the what's the state of repair of the building? What is operating the building like? Because, you know, if I look at, let's say, my own portfolio or my client's portfolios, like, some of those rent control buildings with very stable tenants, like you just can forget about them, right? Like the tenants, if they've been living there for 15 years, like sure, they're paying a heavily discounted fee, but at the same time, they're not calling you all the time and it tends to be peaceful. Often it's a lot of retirees. Um, I'd say about 50% of my portfolio is precisely that. It's like a low rent, low income sort of a thing, but, but retirees who've been there for 20 years and it's extremely stable, takes very little effort to run. And like, because maybe there's not so much deferred maintenance, it's okay. Like you're running a, you know, relatively stable, well-maintained asset. You can kind of permit that to continue if it makes sense for your investment objectives. But, you know, if you're kind of in this building phase when you're looking to, you know, optimize or increase rents or like, you know, increase your building value by a whole lot, maybe a stable rent controlled building like that where you've had the same tenants for 20 years, maybe that's not the best addition to your portfolio. So I don't feel like I can really give a blanket statement to that. I think that that there are, you know, moments at which for specific landlords, it makes sense to liquidate a specific asset. And if I can pass on, you know, a piece of advice that actually early on in my career, um, an accountant gave me, you know, the, the accountant said, like, if you look at like big investors, right, like people who own Plastel Marie or like, you know, these two really big buildings, like an asset in a portfolio has a lifespan. So you want to hold it for a certain amount of time. You want to bring it somewhere according to your own game plan. And then at a certain point, it will be time to liquidate. When is that time? When is that time for you and your investment strategy? Well, that needs to be evaluated kind of on a case-by-case basis. Um, And if it's not your profession to do those kind of evaluations, definitely there are either more experienced investors or coaches or people who can sort of like put their nose into your affairs and say, okay, well, I think this might be your strategy, this should be your investment strategy, given your goals. And maybe at a certain point, it is time to liquidate the asset. Maybe it's not. So it's just kind of a case by case basis. You understand. Because also what I'm also hearing from you, it's also good to di- diversify your portfolio as well. Yeah. I mean, again, like obviously like any investment advisor is going to tell you, you need to diversify. But realistically, when you're asking a question from the perspective of a small landlord, it might be that like you only own a condo. Or you only own a duplex or triplex. And so, like, should you diversify? Well, yeah, technically you should diversify. But for whatever reason, that's what your savings and your timing and your everything can permit. So, you know, in looking at your whole financial portrait, that then becomes a question. Well, how much how much of your investment money do you want to allocate to to real estate? How much do you want to keep in your RSPs? How much do you want to use to start a small business? Like, that's then a more general question when you need to kind of evaluate, um, you know, on, on a broad based case by case thing. Um, I saw that, that, you know, you also had kind of another question about, uh, let's say people from out of province who might not be used to the heavily rent controlled environment that we have in Quebec. Did you want to be a little bit more precise about that? Uh, yeah, they may not know the rules, but they they definitely want to invest in Quebec because it's relatively cheaper saying that in places like Alberta or Vancouver or Toronto for that matter. Yeah. So you, I mean, like basically there's no free lunch. Okay. And <laughs> no, the, the free lunch, like what makes Quebec an attractive 
place to invest for people from, you know, out of province or out of country is that our assets are relatively cheap. Why are our assets cheap? Because of rent control. So, you know, you can't say like those things kind of go together, right? And like, what do you see in a rent control environment? Well, typically you see a lot of deferred maintenance. So like a lot of our heavily rent controlled buildings are in poor shape. Um, maybe there's some management challenges because with the tenants in a heavily rent controlled tenant friendly environment, it's sometimes can be difficult to like, you know, nip some of those operating issues in the bud, but you're going to be buying discounted assets in a market that is maybe not so attractive to outside investors. And so that's what I say to people from, you know, either Americans or people from out of country looking to invest here or people from out of province looking to invest in Quebec maybe you're not going to see the same returns immediately, but it's a less competitive market and it's a market that you can get into more easily than, you know, looking at the outskirts of Toronto or looking at Calgary or, you know, anywhere out west. Like there are maybe smaller, you know, town places in rural um, rural Alberta or Manitoba or in the Maritimes. Like there are, um, you know, still places that you can invest where you can get a decent return and maybe avoid the rent control environment. But if you're looking at investing in Quebec, there's definitely opportunities here. Um, you just probably need to be very strategic in terms of either forming partnerships with people or else really understanding what are the laws and the practices on the ground that make investing here a good idea or not. But the reality is, is that, you know, Quebec kind of has these, we call them screens, right? Like you have to operate in French. There's this idiosyncratic tenancy system. There is heavy rent control. There's deferred maintenance. So there are all these things that make this market sort of unattractive to people who want to come in from outside. What that means is that if you are able to operate here, chances are that there's opportunities just because it's less competitive and and our assets are cheaper. So, Because I do get asked that question all the time. Like, you know, people who know that I invest in Quebec, they're like, how do you actually do it? <laughs> I want to invest there. How do I go about it? But I'm afraid to. So what are the rules? Yeah. Well, I mean, it, you know, in uh, in practice, what I see is that there are, you know, there's a fair amount of outside money that's looking to come in through the form of partnerships. And so usually you will have some kind of an operator on the ground who will know the system, be comfortable in French, do a bunch of the operation, and then the capital comes from from somewhere else. And that then tends to be you know, one of the business models. And obviously like smaller landlords like yourself or other people who own like, you know, condos or duplexes or triplexes, there are a fair amount of out of province owners who do own and operate that either using a manager or self-managing. Yeah. Okay. Well, Chantel, thank you once again for generously sharing your time and your questions with our audience. It's always so great when we get to do these uh, live coaching calls um, with questions that I think a lot of people who listen to the show might have. Um, did I miss anything? Anything else you want to throw in there as a last minute buzzer beater? No, you pretty much summed up everything. So thank you. All right, Montel. Thank you so much. If you enjoyed this episode, you found it interesting, please share it with a friend who you think might profit from it. Um, go ahead and share it on social media. And thank you very much. Thanks for listening to the Real Estate Investors Club podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, remember to give us a rating, leave a comment, subscribe, and share. You can find Terry at terryshower.com. Her book, Mindful Landlord, is available on Amazon. You can also follow her on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Instagram. 
JP is the president of the Real Estate Investors Club. You can learn more about the club's networking and educational activities on Facebook by searching for Real Estate Investors Club. Look to the show notes to find information on our guests and links to material mentioned in the episode.